Hey, thank you so much. It is really, really good to be here tonight and um, so good that you could tune in with us. Um, this is a totally new experience for me, so all very, very new, um, but it's so good that you can join with us through technology and uh, I'm just gonna be sharing with you a little bit tonight as you tune in as well. Um, I, I would love to pray. I always pray before I preach and so I'm just gonna pray very quickly as well and then we're gonna hear from God's Word. So let's um, do that now. You can do that in your homes, wherever you might be. Uh, let's do that together now. Father, I just thank You uh, that we can still gather together. Yes, via technology, but we can still gather together and under uh, Your Name. And so we just thank You, Father, for this opportunity. We pray, great God, that You would speak to our hearts now um, by Your Word. And so uh, just, just use me as a mouthpiece, Father God, for what You wanna say in and through people's lives and into our hearts, we really do pray. So impact and change us. And uh, may You just speak to our hearts, we ask in Jesus' Name, Amen. Well, uh, like I said, it's really good to be here and to be sharing with you uh, tonight. Uh, it's really interesting understanding and getting an idea of the different perceptions that sometimes people have around church or uh, have around God and, and uh, what, what people come up with sometimes. Uh, maybe tonight, I don't know what your background is, but maybe tonight you're tuning in. Maybe someone's just texted you a link uh, to this live uh, recording. Uh, maybe you've been coming to church for many years and so this isn't unusual for you. Uh, maybe you literally were just scrolling through on Facebook Live or something and you've just come across this. I don't know what your background is, but I think the reality is that all of us at some point or another, we have some perceptions or ideas uh, around God and around church. Uh, we, we, um, you know, we, we come up with all sorts of things. For some of you, you may be feeling like, you know, I, I know that God loves me. I know that He has a plan and purpose for my life. For some of you that uh, maybe have never been to church before, you're thinking, oh, maybe there's a higher being, but I'm not too sure. And, and even if there is, I don't know if He would necessarily want to hang out with me or know me. Uh, maybe for some of you, your perception is, maybe someone's flicked you through the link and your perception is, you know, there's no way uh, that God could really love me or, or not even necessarily love me, even like me uh, for that matter. I'm a, uh, a, a tradesman, I'm a builder by trade and, and I've worked with a lot of different people on job sites in particular and there's been moments where I've been able to invite people along to a church service and the response is always really mixed and uh, some people are just like, mate, seriously, you would not want me in your church building. And not just for me, but as talking to other people as well that have invited people uh, to get along to a church service, in a similar way, there have been responses where people have responded like that, where people have said, oh, you know, I asked this person to go along uh, to church and they were like, seriously, you don't want me in church, the building would fall in. And so um, there's a lot of different responses out there. There's a lot of different ideas out there and perceptions of God and what He thinks of humanity. Tonight as you're watching, maybe you just feel like, I'm not sure if this God could really accept me. I've done too many things wrong. I've done too much bad stuff. Uh, if I ever attended a church, it literally would fall in. And maybe that's literally the reason that you're tuning in via online because you think, hey, I could never go, but I just wanna tune in and just check it out and hear what they wanna say. If that's you tonight, this is a phenomenal message. It's a, it's a message actually of scandalous grace. It's a message of understanding the character of God and that if you ever thought in your life that there's no way that there's a God up there that could truly accept me and love me and value me for just as I am, then this is a message for you tonight. 
Because the reality is the Bible speaks directly into this. The reality is that the Bible speaks about a God who does love humanity, a God that uh, loves people, a God that is gracious. And so we wanna look at that uh, tonight. If you've ever thought in your life that maybe God would want nothing to do with me, then you need to hear this very message. The Bible speaks into this and Jesus actually here is talking about uh, a passage. He shares three parables and I wanna just share one parable with you tonight. But at the start of this in Luke verses one and two, we need to firstly go to these two verses to start with to just set up the context of what Jesus is going to talk about in verses 11 and through that as well. It says this in verse one and two, it says, uh, the tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them, it says. Even eating with them. So you need to understand that here it's setting up the context of, of, of God's heart, of his character. Here Jesus is revealing the character of God and what we discover is in this moment that Jesus actually is hanging out with what the Pharisees who were these religious people, these people that claimed to be the most righteous people that lived on this earth. They they looked upon Jesus and here Jesus is living with, with these tax collectors or not just living with them, but associating with them, talking to them, uh, even, even eating with them, it says in the passage. And here He's revealing the heart of God. And these Pharisees, these religious people, the most righteous people in the world are looking on saying, how could this be? Why would you associate with such people? But you need to understand this is the character of God. This is the heart of God. These people, as it describes in verse one, firstly, the tax collectors, but I'll come to that in a second. It talks about, it says literally these notorious sinners. These would have been the outcasts of society, the pagans as it was talked about in that day and age. It would have been uh, you know, the prostitutes, the lepers, the outcasts, those that society looked upon and said, you know, we want nothing to do with you. And yet what we discover in this passage is that actually Jesus hung out with them, that he taught them, he spoke with them, he lived amongst them and furthermore, he ate with them. It reveals the character of God. This is the notorious sinners that it speaks about here, but then it also talks about the tax collectors. Now, I don't know if you understand this, but there are times when I read the Bible and I hear about these tax collectors and how people didn't really like the tax collectors, but, but, but I couldn't understand the depth of that and what that really looks like. I mean, they didn't understand, you know, a tax collector, I mean, is it really that big a deal? They just, tell, uh, they just collect people's taxes and they give that to the government all the time, the Roman Empire. And, and maybe, you know, the tax was $20 and so they charge $30 and they pocket some money for themselves and they give the rest, uh, you know, to the, to, the, to the Roman Empire of that time. I mean, what's the big deal? You know, it, it's a bit annoying having to pay the taxes of that time. And yes, they may be cheating the system because they're pocketed in themselves. But, but, you know, it doesn't seem that big a deal that Jesus is hanging out with these tax collectors. But when you understand the context of this, you realise this is a huge deal. You see, the tax collectors of this day and age, yes, they were pocketing money, but they were literally taking money for the Roman Empire and the Roman Empire treated people horrifically in that day and age. They, had base, they basically ruled the world of that day. Now, how do you rule the world as they knew it of that time? How do you rule the world? You, you need to uh, accumulate a heap of money. 
They basically got these tax collectors to get all this money and so that they can continue to rule the world as they knew it at that time. And so they would take all this money and they treated the people horrifically. They raped, they pillaged the land. uh, And in some situations, they killed, horrifically killed people of that day and age. The circumstances and situations that we hear about in the, um, uh, historically about how they would kill these people and they would crucify them on cross and they would stand them up the street as people would walk down and, and these people would be crucified on crosses. And what's so crazy about this is the tax collectors were taking money off the people that were actually helping this Roman Empire rule in this way. So now you can see this understanding, you can understand why people would hate these tax collectors. And yet what we discover is, is if, if you've ever felt like God couldn't accept you, what we discover is here that Jesus is hanging out with the tax collectors, that he's hanging out with the, the sinners, the outcasts of society and not only hanging out with them and associating and teaching them, but he's eating with them as well. This is huge. This is huge. If you've ever doubted God's love for you, if you've ever doubted the grace of God, Some of you even right now, as you're listening, you're thinking, you know, I used to go to church, but I don't know if I could ever be accepted back in. I used to go to church, I used to believe in God, but I behaved my way out. And now I'm not sure if God could really let me, you know, bring me back home. Could he love me again? Could he accept me again? This is scandalous grace. This is extraordinary because what we discover is that Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God, reveals the character of God. And he's hanging out with the very people that thought, no way could God accept me. This is good news for all people and it's good news certainly for some of you who are here watching thinking, there's no way he could accept me. Actually, it's described in the Bible, it seems to reveal that yes, he could. It helps us to see the character of God. And so not only this, Jesus begins to share these three stories. Firstly, he shares the story about a parable of the lost sheep. There are a hundred sheep and one goes missing and Jesus shares about how the good shepherd leaves the 99 and chases after the one. Again, revealing the character of God, that God leaves the 99 and he's so desperate for the one, even the very lost one that he chases after, he pursues, he's relentless in this pursuit of the lost one and he goes after the lost one. Again, Jesus revealing the character of God. He shares a second parable about a lost coin. A lady loses a lost coin in her, in her house and she turns the house upside down, searching desperately for the lost coin. Again, revealing the character of God. But thirdly, he shares a third parable, which I want to sort of break down a little bit here tonight. It's often referred to as the prodigal son or the lost son. And Jesus goes into this third parable and he says this in verse 11, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story, a man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now, I don't know if you have children, uh, but I, don't, I, I can't begin to imagine how it would feel for a father who has literally provided financial security, has literally provided shelter, has literally provided everything for his son and from what we can gather, quite a good lifestyle for his son. And the son, the youngest son comes to him and says, I want my share of the estate now. I don't wanna wait till you die. I literally want it now. Humanly speaking, how would you feel? Humanly speaking, how would you respond in this moment? 
It's quite a remarkable response because as some scholars have looked at, some scholars that understand the history and the context of this very passage, one scholar says this, he says, to ask for the inheritance while the father is still alive is to wish him dead, is to wish him dead. This is the context in which he's asking this. This is huge. This is a a ginormous request that he's asking of his dad. In other words, he's saying this, I want your stuff, but I don't want you. I want your stuff, but I don't want you. I think in a way, all of us could relate to, um, or maybe not all, but as I reflect back on the gospel message of the Christian faith, we realise that if there really is a creator God who created a good world, his desire and heart for us was to live in, in, in um, relationship with him, to live in relationship with others, to cultivate the earth, to love others, to love him. And what we discover that if the gospel, uh, if, if the Christian faith is true, is that humanity in their own way have turned their backs on God. God offers humanity the world, this perfect world to live in and we turn our backs on him and decide to go our own way. In essence, like the youngest son, we say, we want our inheritance now. We wanna make our choices and decisions now. We wanna live the way that we wanna live. And I don't know about you, but I wrestle with that all the time. I wrestle with this inner conviction, this this inner selfishness that begins to rise up within my heart sometimes where I say, I wanna live how I want to live. In essence, this is exactly how the younger son has come to his father. He says, hey, I don't want anything to do with you. I want your stuff and I wanna make my own decisions and live how I want to live. How would you feel? How would you respond if you heard that? When I first was looking into and, 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 and looking into the Christian faith, when I was first discovering all about God and what that means for my life. One of the questions that I had, and it's a question that many people ask or maybe wrestle with when they're wondering whether they wanna put their faith and their trust in God. It's that question of, can I really trust him with my life? Here the son decides, hey, I don't wanna live the way that you want me to live. I don't wanna live under your authority. I wanna do my own thing. I wanna go my own way. And this is a question that we all need to decide at one point or another. Can I trust God with my life? The reality is we need to understand and we need to know in our hearts, is this God really a good dad? And I'm convinced literally from my own experience that when I got to a point in my life where I surrendered my life to him, I am convinced that he's a great dad. He's a good heavenly father and he has a great plan and purpose for our lives. And as a matter of fact, he outlines through the Bible is one way. He outlines uh, principles for humanity to live by. And they're not to kind of hem us in. They're not to kind of box us in and, and, and make sure that we don't have fun. That's not his heart or his desire. Actually, it's quite the opposite. He gives us principles to live by so that we can truly Truly live our life and experience life and life to the full. And yet this son decides, I don't want to live like that. I just, I want to live how I want to live. The reality, the reality is that for all of us, we've, we've all done that at one point or another. We've all turned our back on God and said, I just want to live how I want to live. I don't want to follow the principles and the standard and the, and the desire in which you want me to live. But the truth is, the truth is, that God, in essence, he has our back. 
He has our best interest at heart. He gives us these principles because he knows that if you live by this way, you'll, you'll experience life and life to the full. The youngest son decides to turn his back on it. Again, a scholar quotes this, that for the son to come to the father and say, I want all the inheritance now and I wanna go on my way, he says, a traditional Middle Eastern father could only respond in one way, it says. He would be expected to drive the boy out of the house with verbal, if not physical and violent blows. That is how a man in traditional Middle Eastern father would respond in this instance. And yet what we discover is quite remarkable. It's actually scandalous in a way. It's scandalous grace is what it is. Listen to how the father responds to the son. He says, so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. Now he'd understand that the eldest son normally under normal circumstances would actually get two thirds of the estate because he would take the responsibility of the father and the estate and then the other children beyond that, it would be split up. And yet he, he divides the wealth between his two sons. It's a remarkable response from such a selfish attitude of a younger son. But again, keeping in mind that Jesus here is trying to show us the character and the heart of God. And so verse 13, it continues a few days later, his, uh, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the men sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. No one gave him anything. So here he, he, he receives all this inheritance. He has all this money from what we can gather and he literally spoils the lot on wild living. I'm not sure if there's ever been a moment in your life or position in your life where you literally thought to yourself, um, you, you want something so bad. You thought if I could just attain that, if I could just get that, maybe it was just a material thing that you desperately wanted. Uh, maybe it was, uh, maybe you really wanted a phone. Maybe you really wanted a car or something like that. Uh, I remember, uh, yeah, and, and, and maybe you did get it. Maybe you accumulated that thing, but, but when you got it, you were surprised at your response. Maybe it didn't quite fulfill like how you wanted it to. Maybe it didn't, uh, maybe it didn't satisfy in the way in which you were hoping it would. I remember many years ago now, uh, my wife, uh, oh, sorry, my wife bought me an awesome present and I had been talking about it for a while. This very idea, this very, uh, this very thing that I was longing to, to get and I had been wanting for a little while to get an iPad and they kind of at the time were pretty new and I thought to myself, oh, I reckon I'd probably use it a fair bit and, and I'd really been looking into it and thinking about it for quite a while. And eventually, uh, my wife ended up uh, buying me an iPad, which is a phenomenal present. She bought me an iPad for my a birthday, I think it might have been, or a Christmas present. And she reminded me of this the other day, and because I remember opening this iPad, and she was probably so stoked. She's such a person of gifts, and she loves receiving gifts. And, and, and I'm probably like the other end of the spectrum. I'm like, yeah, gifts are awesome. But, but she was so excited about giving this, uh, getting this iPad to me. And I remember opening it up, and this is the very thing that I've been thinking about it for so long, and I, I really thought that I wanted that. And I opened it up, and I was like, oh, like, 
cool, like this is awesome. And I think she was probably hoping or expecting a little bit more than that. But I was like, no, this is, this is really cool. And I opened it up. And this is the thing that I wanted for so long, I opened up and I turned it on and I started just playing around with it for a little while. And I remember it wasn't too long, like maybe a week or somewhere. I was like, yeah, you know, like it's such an awesome present. Super blessed, thanks so much. Raquel really loved it. But I remember like literally, like after a week, I was like, oh yeah, like it's just, it's just an iPad, you know. It never truly fulfilled what I thought it would fulfill. I had this deep desire for this iPad and it never truly fulfilled. Here, the youngest son, he, he attains all this wealth and he goes off and lives how he thinks he wants to live and what he desperately wants to do. And he does what he wants and yet what we discover is it doesn't quite fulfill. It doesn't literally, this satisfaction he's so desperately longing for in his heart, he doesn't receive. It's the life that he's dreamt about. Like this is all that he wanted. The life that he's living. I don't know where you're at tonight. Maybe you're tuning in and it's such a crazy situation and circumstance that we find ourselves in at the moment. And uh, you know, if someone had said to me, you know, six weeks ago, that, that literally the whole world will be like shutting down and just, just go into chaos, I, I literally think you'd be, you, you're crazy. Like how could you possibly believe that? What are you talking about? Like the world, um, you know, shutting down and the world, you know, just the world coming under fire in, in the way that it is at the moment with this coronavirus. Like it just, it would seem crazy for someone to say that six weeks ago. And yet what we discover today is that the world is rattled at the moment. There's all this stuff going on. And I think the reality is and the truth is is that there's not one, pu- uh, one person in the world exempt from, from, from being impacted in this in some way or another. Now, for some of you, you've been far more impacted than others. But everyone's been impacted. Everyone's been impacted by this. Maybe, maybe six weeks ago, everything was going phenomenal for you. Business was going great. Maybe you just launched a business. Maybe, you know, you, you, you felt like you had everything. Maybe you had a promotion. Money was coming in. Uh, you know, the house, you were paying down the mortgage. Everything was looking great and you were living your life. And I feel like, you know, people could, could say, you know, oh, you know, the frailty of life. And I feel like there, there are times, and certainly six weeks ago, we would maybe listen to that comment and go, yeah, maybe the frailty of life. Life's frail, yeah, maybe, maybe not. My life seems to be going pretty well. And yet now in the context in which we find ourselves living, that everyone's been impacted by this, to say, for me, it feels like we're reminded of that. We're reminded of the frailty of life. And we're all impacted. Here, this younger son, he thinks everything's gonna be great, it's gonna be amazing, and yet what he finds himself is he finds himself in a position of frailty. He finds himself in a position of need. And I wonder tonight, maybe that's how you feel. Maybe tonight you're wondering, where does my hope really lie? Where does my health, what am I putting my trust in? Maybe you've put in money. Maybe you've put it in in, in um, uh, financial securities. Maybe you've put it in investments. Maybe you've put it in your career. Maybe you've put it in some sort of relationship. Maybe you've put your trust in all sorts of things in this world. But all of a sudden, it seems like these things are just falling around us the frailty of humanity. And I've got to be honest, uh, last few weeks has been really crazy. It's, it's just kind of, I, I've felt, I, I've responded in a way that I've been like, you know, it's a crazy season for those that are extroverts, isn't it? I mean, if you're an introvert, you're like, this is awesome, let's shut it down and just chill out for a couple of weeks, this is amazing. But, but, but people are rattled in some way 
or another. And so how do you respond in tumultuous times? How do you respond when, just like this younger son, he's in a, he's in a difficult place? Well, listen to how he responds in verse 17. It says, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have enough food to spare and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Now, how do you think the father would respond, humanly speaking, to this son that has literally taken half his inheritance and literally just spoiled it on wild living? Again, understanding that Jesus is trying to reveal the character of God, listen to the father's response. It says, filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. I don't know where you're at tonight, I'm not sure where you're at, but if there's something in you that says, where does my hope lie? I feel broken in some way or another. I don't know where my trust lies. I feel like I'm in a place of frailty in my life in this moment. I want you to know that regardless of what your perception might be of God, that He loves you and He's got a plan for you. And if you think that you can't come to Him, allow this passage to speak into your heart and into your mind tonight. Know that the Father loves you so much. Know that you can come back home to the Father. For some of you, you used to go to church and you're thinking, I don't know if I could, if I could ever reconnect with a God of heaven and of earth, but know this tonight, yes, you can, because this reveals the scandalous grace of a God who loves humanity so much. You need to realise that at this time, the Middle Eastern men didn't run, and yet what it says is the father filled with compassion and love, he runs to the son, he embraces him and he kisses him. It's extraordinary grace. There's a great quote by Philip Yancey that says this, grace does not depend on what we have done for God, but rather what God has done for us. Ask people what they must do to get to heaven and most people reply, be good. Jesus' stories contradict that answer. All we must do is cry help. All we must do is cry help. This is exactly what the youngest son has done. He comes running back to the father and he cries help and the response is remarkable. Would you be open? Would you be willing to turn into your heavenly father? Maybe this very night. Maybe tonight is a response to him saying, God, I, I've put my trust in all the things of this world and it's starting to fall down around me. I can't rely on it any longer. I wanna give you my life. I wanna trust my life with you. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. 
But the response is this, but his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. In other words, that would have been the father's robe. He wasn't concerned about the, the, the filth of the son. He would have come back from feeding the pigs. He wasn't concerned about cleaning the son up. He just put the robe on him. He says, get a ring for his finger, which represented authority as well, and sandals for his feet and kill the calf. We have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. And so the party began. This is the character. This is the heart of God. The son knows he's done wrong. The son knows he is not worthy. But how would you respect, how would you expect, humanly speaking, somebody to respond? Maybe with, with, with disgust, maybe with frustration, maybe with anger towards the son. But Jesus reveals the father's heart by saying, he literally throws a party. He puts the robe on him, a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and he shows love and scandalous grace in the midst of this. I love this quote by William Hendrickson who says this, God's grace is his active favour bestowing the greatest gift upon those who have deserved the greatest punishment. I'll say that again, God's grace is his active favour bestowing the greatest gift upon those who have deserved the greatest punishment. It's revealing the heart, the character of God tonight and you can respond to him. You can respond to him. I love this quote by Paul Tripp. It's a longer quote, but I think it's worthwhile reading. It says this, this is what grace does. It rescues us from our spiritual blindness. It releases us from our bondage to, to our rationalism and materialism. Grace gives us the faith to be utterly assured of what we cannot see. It frees us from refusing to believe in anything we cannot experience with our physical senses. But grace does more. It connects us to God in an eternal love relationship that fills us with joy we have never known before and gives us rest of heart that we would have thought impossible. And that grace is still rescuing us because we still tend to forget what is important, real and true. We still tend to look to the physical world for our comfort. We still fail to remember in given moments that we really do have a heavenly Father. And I wonder tonight, would you be open and willing to respond to Him? To turn to Him and say, God, I, I wanna trust you. Maybe you've turned your back on Him like the youngest son. Maybe you've never known Him before, but tonight is an opportunity to say, hey, I, I'd be willing to, to see what God could do with my life. I've tried to do it my own way, but I wanna trust my life with Him. What does the son do in response to the tumultuous times that he's facing? He turns to his father. He turns to God. And I wonder tonight if you'd be willing to do that. Now, I, I, I don't wanna just give a typical Christian throwaway line, you know, turn to God and everything will be all right. I'm not saying that. But all I know is that when I wasn't a Christian and I came to faith at about 18 and a half, I, I didn't have hope. I didn't know what my life, the plan and the purpose was of my life. And when I responded to God, all of a sudden those things changed and my life was changed and transformed. And, and tonight, if you are facing some difficult times, I just wanna encourage you, would you be willing, would you be open to turning to God at this time in your life? 
I'll just share one last story with you. I remember a few years ago now, my grandma was in a nursing home and I would go and visit her occasionally. Some of you have heard this story before. But I'd go and visit my grandma occasionally in the nursing home and, and uh, I'd pop in and I would just pray for her. And I didn't know where she was at spiritually, but she, she certainly, as far as I knew her through my lifetime, she never claimed to be Christian or, or necessarily have her faith or trust in God. And I would pray for her often, particularly as she was getting older. And one day I was going over to the nursing home and I just prayed and I said, you know, God, just please open up a door here. And as I walked into the nursing home, I, um, I remember walking in and I just started to, to chat with my grandma and I was just chatting to her and talking to her. And she stopped me and she said, David, I just, I wanna stop you for a second. And she said, I, I just wanna let you know that there's been a, a chaplain that's been coming in and visiting here at the nursing home and I've been chatting with her a little bit. And she said, I, I just wanna let you know, as she's been sharing with me and telling me about God and all this sort of stuff, she's been talking to me about God and Jesus. And it was, I was sort of taken back. I never really heard grandma speak like this before. And she said, I just wanna let you know that I've decided to trust my life with Jesus. And I was just like taken back, you know, tears beginning to well up my eyes. I'm like, grandma, that's amazing, that's incredible. She said, I thought you'd be excited. I said, absolutely, you know, that's incredible. And she said, now whatever you do, don't tell your mother, you know, don't tell your mother. And, and um, I, don't, I don't really know why, but anyway. And it was just this incredible moment as grandma began to share about how she put her trust and faith in God. And I think for her, as she was getting older, she began to realise the frailty of life. In this current context, in this current culture that we find ourselves in, everybody have been, has been battered in one way or another from this coronavirus. Everyone's been impacted. And maybe as you listen in, you're thinking, life is so frail. Just as my grandma responded to God and decided to trust her life with God, I wanna invite you to do the same to come back to the Father, to say, I wanna, I wanna give you a go of my life. I want, you, I want you to take control of my life from this moment on. And I'm just gonna lead you in a simple prayer to do that this very night. I'm just gonna pray and then I'll lead you in a prayer that you can pray at home, wherever you're tuning in. Father, I just thank you for your word and I thank you that you're a God who loves us, has a plan and purpose for our lives. There's some listening right now on the screen, wherever they are, Father, that maybe just feel this prompting in their heart, like, I wanna respond, I wanna trust God with my life. If that's you tonight, maybe just in your head and in your heart, you can just pray a simple prayer, really. It's just acknowledging who God is and saying, God, I wanna trust you. You can just say this in your head and your heart, dear God, I've lived my life my own way. I've done my own things. I wanna trust my life with you, though. I want you to be Lord and Saviour of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for rising again, overcoming death. Thank you for dying for all my sin and taking the punishment that I deserved. Please now come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take control of my life from this moment on. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. And Father, I just thank you so much for how your word speaks into our lives. Whether we know this truth or not, your word speaks to all of us. We just thank you so much, God. We thank you that you're a gracious and loving God. And we just pray all these things in Jesus' Name. Amen. We're gonna uh, worship our great God now. So whether you're at home, wherever you are, feel free to sing along, stand up, whatever you wanna do as we worship this great, uh, graceful God. Let's do that now together. Well, Lord God, we wanna thank you so much. We wanna thank you so much for your truths and your promises, Lord. 
God. I, I, I love how the Scripture says, you draw near to the broken hearted, Lord. Your Word fills us with promises that say that, Lord, even when we're in the struggling depths of life, Father, You are there guiding our footsteps. Lord, I thank You, You're not a removed God. You're present, You're ever present. We thank You for that, Lord God. And Lord, I wanna pray for any person that's responded in this time. Lord God, I just pray that they'll just know a fresh feeling of Your Spirit, Lord. Lord, as people pick up your, the Scripture for the first time, begin to read through your Gospels, Lord, I pray that they'll know the breath of your Holy Spirit in their life. Lord, thank You, You're our rock. You're our foundation, Lord God. Thank You, we have a relationship with You, not based on good works, purely on grace, what You did on the cross and Your resurrection. And so, Lord God, it's, it's just been an honour to worship You, this, Lord God, in Jesus' Name, Amen. We want to thank you for joining us. We pray you've been blessed uh, through the Word of God. Um, and we just want you to know that we're praying for you as a team. If you want prayer at all, um, I want to encourage you. You can go on our, our, our website, you can go on bridgman.org.au forward slash prayer. And that will give you steps that you can um, put in your prayer request. We'll be praying for you. We'll be a prayer team doing that throughout the week. If you know of anyone that's um, needing help or assistance, you can also go on our website bridgman.org.au forward slash community help and there's steps in there that you can fill out and we'll have a team that would be loved to begin to look into that and see what way we can assist in that. But know that our prayers throughout this week, praying as a pastoral team, we're praying for you uh, for God's comfort, God's strength as well. And God bless and we look forward to catching with you online next week. Thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you or you'd like to find out more, we want to help and encourage you on your journey of faith. You can reach out to us via our website or email hello at bridgman.org.au. And don't forget, if you have a prayer need, we'd love to pray for you. And you can fill in a prayer card on our website or email prayer at bridgman.org.au. I'm praying God's blessing for you this week and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.